The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Sharp Lessons, everybody. Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. Nate Jacobson, Ben Wittenstein, after a fun, super wild card weekend, Nate. A lot of fun games going on, but honestly, betting-wise, it was uh, interesting. Most of these games, I think, what, they had like a, it was a 17-point differential on average with all the games going on over the weekend. It was uh, not as fun betting-wise, to be honest, but it was it was a fun weekend in general. We'll see all the football going on. Yeah, maybe not the most competitive games, but I thought we did a really good job last week previewing the games. We talked about how we liked the 49ers. We were waiting for that number. Ended up getting three and a half before the game. We were all over the Chiefs, especially the first half, which wasn't pretty early on. But I thought it was still the right idea, especially how the Steelers punted so many times. That was kind of our handicap. And then capping it off Monday night, just showing how we had very little faith and trust in the Kyler Murray Cliff Kingsbury partnership for their first playoff game where yeah. I was saying I would like the Rams at minus three Cardinals team total under intrigues me that ended up definitely coming through. So from Sunday and Monday, good for me. Uh, the Saturday games were really weird. Didn't really play out. I expected, uh, but I think they're because of the results of last week, there are plenty of good betting angles for this week and some opportunities that we'll get to with the four divisional games in the NFL. I got to tell you, too, I love the Bills. Love the Buffalo Bills. I hit them first half, minus three. I did an alternate spread for the game at minus six and a half, and that, of course, hit. So I was yep. I was pretty happy with what the Bills had to put on. They look like they may have either flipped a switch or figured something out, and their game against the Chiefs is going to be a lot of fun. So we can, we'll can yeah. talk about that throughout the rest of the show. But, again, you want all your betting content from Stadium at Stadium Bets on Twitter. Go follow it. Lots of really good stuff is going to be coming on that uh, the Twitter feed in the next one to two weeks. So you're going to want to trust me on that one. A lot of fun stuff betting-wise. And, of course, Nate has his golf articles. I'll have my NBA articles. So all your betting stuff in one spot at Stadium Bets. But, Nate, let's get it rolling. Let's look at some of these divisional games that we have this weekend. Bengals at the Titans. We'll start there in Nashville. The line is Titans minus three. The total is at 47. Uh, the Titans, of course, having that First round by for the wild card since they got the number one overall seed in the AFC. Just looking at this initial line, um, it was Titans minus two and a half that opened. And then, of course, people hammered Tennessee and it moved up one full point uh, as we talk about this on Tuesday. So Titans minus three and a half, 47 is the total. Initially looking at these numbers, are you looking at a side? Or are you looking at the total? Yeah, I think. Well, first of all, I don't really have any thoughts on this game. If there's one game where I really have no bets on, it would be Bengals-Titans at least early in the week. Uh, the two-and-a-half that was open Sunday night when this matchup was officially set after the Chiefs beat the Sealers to ensure that would be the 1-4 the matchup in the AFC Divisional round, it was two-and-a-half, quickly got to three, Monday morning got to four. And I think with the line, it's interesting because if you just take – what the Titans maybe were in the second half of the season. Titans minus two and a half would make a lot of sense. 
But then you add in the fact that Derrick Henry is expected to be back. You add in the fact that the Titans had a first-round bye. You add in the fact that the Bengals, quite frankly, didn't really look good against the Raiders. I came away with that being less impressed of Cincinnati than I was beforehand, and I haven't been a high on Cincinnati pretty much all season because I don't have much faith in their head coach, Zach Taylor. And that's a game the Raiders should have covered, if not won, in my opinion. Just the Bengals, very conservative in the red zone, not being able to get touchdowns for field goals. And then the Raiders kind of squandering a lot of opportunities that they had. So not really impressed with the Bengals. They took some hits on the defensive line injury-wise that we're going to have to check out throughout the week because the Titans are going to want to run the ball. And if you don't have a defensive line to do that, Tennessee should have a lot of success, especially with the extra rest. So I guess I agree with the line move early in the week. But now that's at three and a half. I don't really trust the Titans betting them on them in the favorite role. And the same time, not impressed by the Bengals. So it'd be really hard for me, even though Joe Burrow is a great quarterback, it'd be hard for me to get behind Cincinnati, given the situation of their defense and just how I wasn't impressed with them last week against Las Vegas. Yeah, those two injuries to keep an eye out from would be Derrick Henry, of course, see if he's going to be able to play. And it sounds like he probably will be able to play, I think, is what it's trending toward. And then, of course, Trey Trey Hendrickson, defensive end for the Bengals, if he's going to be able to play on their defensive side, because that's going to be a big matchup. If he's able to play, you're going to get a beefed-up Cincinnati D-line. It's going to help with the run game against Derrick Henry. But, Nate, if Derrick Henry does play, I am eyeing the under, or at very least the first half under, I think, because a team like Tennessee, they did really well without Derrick Henry. They kind of got into a rhythm without Derrick Henry. Getting him back... I obviously will be good for that offense, but I think it's going to take a little while to kind of reincorporate him back in and get the rhythm and the chemistry going with everyone. I mean, he's been out since week eight, something like that. So it's been a while since he's been in that offense. It may take him a bit to to get going. And then, of course, their defense has gotten the, the Titans defense has gotten better as the weeks have gone on. So that under looks pretty decent to me if Derrick Henry does come back and maybe once he's officially announced in, we'll see more line movement, of course, for Tennessee, and then maybe that total will move a bit. Yeah, I was thinking that if you assume Henry's going to be in, and by all indications he will, I would definitely wait. And I think if you want, like the under, with that idea, which I can't knock at all, I think that's actually a pretty decent idea that maybe Tennessee's offense does take a little bit to get going, and maybe they force-feed him, and that's maybe not the most efficient way to attack the Bengals. We'll see. Uh, But you could probably wait maybe a 48-49 of pairs I'm not sure. It might be all built in right now with Henry assuming being in. But always when we get a positive injury report in the playoffs or a confirmation someone's in, usually the public kind of sees that and reacts in a certain way. So, yeah, I think you can wait on the total. But the uh, the under might be a good way to look, especially if we get some bad weather in Nashville. I haven't really checked that. Some Check some other weather uh, this weekend, but not Nashville yet. But, yeah, definitely uh, – I'm open to all ideas for betting this game, especially <laughs> on the total. I think I'm pretty yes. determined that I'm going to pass on the side, um, at least pregame. But total-wise, I think I could be talked into anything. All right, let's go to Saturday night and into the NFC, where we have the 49ers and the Packers. 49ers was the underdog favorite. They were the uh, the weird underdog favorite uh, from last week. Everyone was betting their money line, betting their spread as the underdog against the Cowboys, and, and everyone ended up being right. Kind of the rare decision in the rare time when the public seems to be on the right side of things when it comes to an underdog. But right now, 49ers again, the underdog. Five and a half Packers are the favorite in this one. 47 and a half is the total. 
it's going to be Aaron Rodgers at home, Nate. I mean, this is this is what everyone talks about. This is what everyone loves to bet on the Packers is when they have Aaron Rodgers at home, cold Lambeau Field. It's going to be a, a primetime nighttime game at Lambeau. It is going to be very hard to stay away from betting the Packers in this one. Yet the line hasn't moved a ton. The Packers open minus four and a half, got bet up to five and a half. So I don't know where I stand on this one, to be honest. I, part of me wants to hit the 49ers as an underdog again, but it's very, very hard to bet against Aaron Rodgers at home in a playoff game against his team. Yeah, there's a lot of different directions we can go in this game, but I think the first one worth mentioning is this line kind of was flirting with the Packers minus six earlier today. Mm-hmm. I think there was some maybe discouragement that Jimmy Garoppolo's throwing shoulder um, as now an issue. He's playing through pain against the Cowboys on Sunday, and the 49ers are pretty vague when it comes to injuries, and especially Kyle Shanahan. He just seems like a vague guy in general. Like Even like after the 49ers scored their first touchdown the other day, he was completely deadpan on the sideline after orchestrating an amazing opening script. So I think the injury to Jimmy G is something that has to be obviously monitored throughout the week. And even if he does play, he might not be 100%. The weather's going to be um, in the teens on Saturday night in Green Bay with snow. So not sure how that impacts a player who also has an injured throwing thumb. Uh, but it was like kind of flirting with six. And based on some other injury stuff, we might kind of have some room to move, I think, either way. Uh, the 49ers lost uh, Nick Bosa in the game against the Cowboys to a concussion. So who knows his status? Fred Warner uh, rolled an ankle, it looked like, late in the game, but he, all indications saying he's okay. He actually tweeted out that he's ready to go for Saturday night. So some injury stuff to obviously look closer at with the 49ers, specifically at quarterback and their top pass rusher. And on the Packers side, they get some guys back. David Bakhtiari played in Week 18 for the first time, their left tackle. Jair Alexander is off the uh, injured reserve. He was on the COVID list to end the year, so he wasn't able to get a game in, but he's expected to play. Zadarius Smith, who got injured in Week 1, their star pass rusher, there's a chance he plays, and they're hoping that all three are able to play. And that's kind of big for the Packers reinforcement-wise. So I get why the number is is where it is. But I've been thinking about for weeks that I want the 49ers to play the Packers because matchup-wise, the 49ers run game against the Packers run defense that was really bad on Christmas night. I keep thinking about that Christmas night game or Christmas day game against the Cleveland Browns where the Browns, who had, I believe, down three offensive linemen, starting offensive linemen, ran all over the Packers. And if it wasn't for Baker Mayfield's interceptions, the Browns probably win that game in Green Bay. I see a similar situ- here, a situation here with the 49ers, probably even a better run game than the Browns, at least in that current state, with a healthy offensive line in Trent Williams, with Eli Mitchell, Debo Samuel now a dynamic player who they use in all facets of the game, especially at running back, which is kind of a new role for him. I think the 49ers have a lot of advantages on offense, which is why I like the 49ers in this game. I'm just worried about some of the factors, as I mentioned, when it comes to rest. It's the 49ers' third straight road game, another high-leverage road game, because even before the playoffs, they needed to beat the Rams to get into the playoffs, and they basically – will put everything on the line to come back and beat the Rams. They beat the Cowboys last week, short week for them, Packers off a bye. It's hard to make a, you know, it's hard to pull the trigger, I guess, right now on the 49ers. But at plus six, I'm interested in them. It's going to be a game I wait until the 
closing minutes, I think, before this game starts to really make a play. Because we have to figure out, as you said, all the injury issues with both of these teams, um, especially the 49ers, kind of figuring out what players they are going to play come the weekend. And then figuring out if their rush game can actually take down the Packers. I, I don't know how you plan around Debo Samuel. I don't think you can really game plan around him. He's You can't game plan for speed, right? You can't just be like, okay, we're going to stop him from being fast. I don't know if the Packers are going to be able to stop Debo, and that's a really big part of that 49ers offense. So I think that's something to consider, especially when you have a spread that's at five or five and a half, which is pretty large compared to some of the other ones that are at like three. So I would probably lean 49ers just talking it out right now, but it's really not a strong lean and it's not a decision I think I'm going to make even for Friday's show. I'll make it right before kickoff probably. Yeah, I think the matchup and the difference between these two teams isn't as wide. Or, so the matchup's good for the 49ers offensively, at least. Obviously, yep. defensively, they might have trouble in the secondary stopping Aaron Rodgers, but a lot of teams would have that issue. But the difference between the 49ers and Packers, I don't think is this wide, but it's because the Packers are on a bye, and it, traditionally divisional teams hosting a playoff game off a bye are very valuable. But that might all be built in the point spread, so... For me, the line values in the 49ers, matchups with the 49ers, what's holding me back from making this a rather large wager is obviously the injuries to Garoppolo, Bosa, and just the fact that the 49ers have put so much into the last few weeks of the season that I don't know how much left they have in the tank for a game on the short week in cold weather at Lambeau Field. Yeah, that'll be a fun game to look at some of the picks on Friday. The other NFC game, Rams and the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady, as we all know, great at home with the Buccaneers. Great record. Buccaneers minus three in this game. 48 and a half is the total. Line opened up at minus two and a half. Went to three. Went back down to two and a half for a bit. Now it's kind of hovering around three. And Nate, on Twitter, I said someone needs to convince me not to take the Rams plus three. And you said we'll talk tomorrow. And it is tomorrow. So why should I not take the Rams plus three? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that tweet up because uh, I forgot to put that down in the notes. But uh, glad you remember it because I think that <laughs> there is a, a tremendous opportunity to maybe sell high on the Rams coming off a primetime win like they did against the Cardinals on Monday night. But the thing is, we weren't high on the Cardinals, especially late in the year where they lose four of their last five games in the regular season. And I mentioned that Seahawks game on the show last week how the Cardinals were beat up pretty badly by the Seahawks and the scoreboard looked better because of turnovers. But last night just felt like a continuation of that game with Arizona's struggles on both sides of the ball. So I don't put too much stock, I guess, into that Rams win because I didn't think Arizona would play well. So I think there's a, maybe a little bit of an over-adjustment in what the point spread would have been between the Rams and the Bucks based on what we just saw last from the Rams. You also have to factor in the Rams cross-country travel on a short week playing Sunday afternoon. Um, so the question, I guess, becomes, was the Rams' performance in the wild card? And if there's a chance if you could buy low on the Buccaneers and if you really believe that maybe the Cardinals were a formidable opponent, because I don't really think so. So I think what my reason would be to talk you out of betting against the Rams at plus three is you're getting Tom Brady in a home playoff game against Matthew Stafford at a field goal or less. I think if you bet Matthew Stafford and you lose the game, you might feel a little bit foolish just because it could be an incredible discount on the Buccaneers in this situation. So that's my yeah. just two cents on the game. 
Not saying I'm going to auto bet the Bucks though, because they have offensive line issues right now in terms of injuries. Uh, yeah. Most notably, right tackle Tristan Wirfs, who, I mean, he he didn't he played, he got hurt, comes back in, gets hurt again, and he didn't play the rest of the game. So I think there's a real doubt he goes, and the Rams' pass rush and their defense in general has played pretty well. So I think that's my take on the game, where it's either Bucks or nothing. If it gets a two and a half, I'll definitely be interested in the Bucks but I don't think I can go Rams plus three off probably their ceiling game, ceiling performance, at least perception-wise, against Arizona on Monday night. That is definitely my only concern, and especially with Stafford. And and I don't I don't know if Stafford is going to have a regression towards being a worse quarterback than he was against the Cardinals because he had a really horrendous end to his season, throwing interception after interception, looking like a, just a bottom-five quarterback in the NFL. He has a good game against the Cardinals. Again, like you said, it was a team that we didn't have any trust in, so it makes sense that they beat him by that much. But there's just something that the Rams just look like everything was kind of coming together for him. And them playing on the road, not ideal, I think. And, and, and that certainly, I think, hurts them. They, they have seemed to play better in the domed conditions, on the turf. They're going to be outside. Um, and it's going to be warm weather still, but I, I think that is a detriment to them. And it just, I don't know. It, it looks like they are kind of finding their stride. Tampa Bay has been dealing with injuries left and right. If Leonard Fournette plays, maybe this line changes a little bit, and maybe I'll be more favored on the Tampa Bay side because we haven't really heard anything about Leonard Fournette. But this is a game, too, that maybe is a wait and see, right? Right, Wait if Tristan Wirfs can play. Wait to see if Leonard Fournette is going to play because the name of the game in the last couple of weeks for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has been injuries, and that's they've had injury after injury. They had a guy quit in the middle of the game, Antonio Brown, and they've been losing wide receivers yeah. left and right. So they're going to have to really go against a lot of this adversity if they don't have – some of these big players like Worfs or Fournette. So that's what is going to be worrying to me. And I think if we hear more, if like Fournette's not going to be able to play or he's not going to be 100%, Tristan Worfs is not going to be able to play, I've, I, this line is definitely going to move in favor of the Rams. And that's essentially, I think, what I wanted to bet on at plus three. Yeah, I could see that. So if you do want to get ahead of the injury move, if you if you believe that those line or those injuries are going to change the line or you lose the key number of plus three, then maybe I jump out on that now. I guess it is worth noting, though, the Rams have beat Tom Brady's Bucks twice. They did last year on a Monday night. Jared Goff went into Tampa Bay and put up the primetime game of his life, maybe. Well, not the primetime game of his life. I guess that was when uh, they beat the Chiefs that one game like, yes. in 2018. Uh, that was a much different NFL, really, in general, when games were played that high scoring. Uh, but getting back on track this year, they played in week three. In L.A., so a really long time ago, uh, closed a pick em. Total is 55, and now we're at 48 and a half. So a huge adjustment there on the total. Rams won that game 34 to 24. Um, you mentioned that it's kind of a, a detriment that the Rams are on the road, but they had a chance to win the division and be the two seed if they won in Week 18. So they had an opportunity to do that, didn't get it done. Maybe there is something there with this current Rams team against uh, – Tom Brady, at least the last two years. Um, but we'll probably talk, we'll definitely talk, obviously, about all the games on Friday. But I know we're going to talk about, and you're going to hear a lot of talk about the game and what to make kind of the Rams' performance. I just, I guess I'd be a little bit cautious blindly backing the Rams just because they played so well last night against a Cardinals team that really was trending downwards at the end of the year. Finally, we got the Bills and the Chiefs in Kansas City. That is the Sunday evening game and, honestly, the game I'm most excited for yes. 
this week. Chiefs are minus two. That total is 55. This is going to be a fun one. I think this is going to be one of those shootout games. You mentioned the uh, the Rams game against the Chiefs a couple years ago. I think this is going to be a, probably a similar one. It looks like Josh Allen and that offense is humming along. The Chiefs have everything kind of coming together pretty well after some serious question marks were raised early on in the season for Kansas City. So it's to me, these are two teams who have been playing some of their best football fairly recently coming against each other in the playoffs. So I think this is going to be an unbelievably fun game. It opened up at two in favor of the Chiefs, moved to two and a half, back to two. I don't see this line moving too much, to be honest, unless there's some big news from either team. But it seems like it's stuck at minus two. And and I'll be honest, Nate, I'm leaning Buffalo Bills. But I can be convinced of the Chiefs, to be honest. It's not really a stronghold on them. Yeah, you mentioned the Chiefs had have struggles earlier in the year, especially defensively. And when these two teams met in week six, I think that was kind of the heat or the height of or the lowest point for the Chiefs in terms of their offense not really clicking and at the same time their defense really struggling. And they've turned things around as the season got on has gone on on both sides of the ball. Buffalo was flying high after that win. I think after that win there was a lot of talk how they're easily going to be the number one seed in the AFC, and then they had some tough times. So kind of interesting to see how these teams have trended since that game, and now the Chiefs hosting the Bills again. This was the AFC title game this year, and now we're in the divisional round. So first meeting, Bills win 38-20. to Chiefs close minus three, total 57. Now we're at Bills uh, plus two, so Chiefs still small favorite. It was minus two on the open, got up to two and a half. I think there may be, if three hit, there would have been a lot of bets on the Bills. Oh, yeah. But based on what happened last week, and I think you're right that the line probably stays the same, but I could also see maybe you get, like, the Chiefs on the money line getting down to, like, minus 120, minus 125, just because I could see a lot of people betting the Bills spread and money line just to win the game after what happened to the um, at home against the Patriots last week where the P- Bills – on their first seven drives of the game, scored a touchdown. And then the drive that they had, I guess, technically, was kneel downs at the end of the game. So now the question is which Bills team shows up. Because at their ceiling, Bills are probably the best team in the NFL. But also towards the end of the year, they had some struggles in home games against the Jets, Falcons, and Panthers, just kind of like putting those teams away. And also, we don't really learn much from a team like Buffalo when you play teams in that competition late in the year where those teams didn't have much to play for. So obviously, if you like the Bills, you might be betting on them maybe at their highest point just because they looked so, so good against the Patriots last week. And now you may be able to get a discount on the Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead in a playoff game. And Kansas City has a very, very strong home field advantage anyway. It's even stronger in the playoffs. So basically a night game. 5.30 local time start. At this point, I think my strategy for this is waiting to bet on Kansas City at the cheapest money line possible, just because I can see a lot of betting interests in the Bills. And pretty much all weekend, we saw a situation where in almost every single game, there were line moves pretty aggressively on game day, where you're able to get the best number if you waited like five or ten minutes before kickoff. So I think I'm going to wait to see because I don't think a lot of people will be on the Chiefs this week. I think it's going to be Bills money nonstop. And I think there's an opportunity to bet the Chiefs at a very cheap number at home, basically just to win the game against a Bills team coming off their seedling performance. Yeah, I like the over, too. Um, 
just as an initial look, I think this is going to be one of those high scoring games. It's Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes. I would, uh, I, I probably would not bet the under in a game like that, especially since both offenses <laughs> have been playing decently well over the past week or two. The Chiefs for sure. Um, the Bills have been, you know, they've been hovering around that 30 point mark in most of the last five weeks. If you look at their, if you look at their point scoring and yes, came against the Jets and some against the Falcons, but They've been scoring high high volumes, so I, I like the over at 55. This is a game, I like you said, this is a game I'm going to be betting kind of towards the last minute. See where the line moves, see kind of where the public is hitting throughout the week, see if we get any injury news or anything like that, and then maybe hit it Saturday night or, or Sunday morning. But this is going to be a fun one, Nate. I'm, yeah. I'm really excited for this game. Even if you don't have a bet in this game, it's it's probably going to be the, the game of the year and the most exciting yeah. game or most anticipated game. Just because, and we'll know what happens in the AFC game before on Saturday, but if the Titans win, obviously one of these teams will be going to Nashville to play in the AFC title, but they will be favorites on the road. And then if the Bengals win, then it sets up a home game for either one of these teams. So this kind of might feel, no disrespect to Titans or Bengals fans, but this kind of feels like the de facto AFC championship game. I think these are two of the best teams in the league. Uh, the betting market says so. Obviously, one team, whoever wins this, has a huge leg up in getting to the Super Bowl. So that's what probably makes it even more exciting, that we're getting a matchup of this quality as the fourth of four games in the divisional round. All right, let's go to golf. Time for your golf picks uh, from the American Express. You had the Sony Open. How would everything go? Well, not great because I had Russell Henley at a uh, 35 to one. He has a five-shot lead with nine holes to go, uh, minus I think 3,300 in live betting, and he uh, squanders the lead to Matsuyama, who was fantastic. So, really wanted to start off the season with a golf winner. It's always nice to get a get one in January because it kind of paves the way where you can have a couple losers for the the next month or six weeks, and you're still up for the year. Uh, but I, at least I was able to hedge out before the playoff to book a small win, but really was uh, disappointed with the finish from Henley, who was really good to start off on Sunday, the first nine holes. I think he was five under and uh, was absolutely tearing it up with the irons. And then he uh, fell apart and not really fought, like totally choked, but he just couldn't birdie a hole. And at a course like that, the Sony Open at Wile Eye, you got to uh, got to get birdies, and he didn't, and Matsuyama caught him. So that was a little bit disappointing, but uh, we move on. The American Express, <laughs> California. And this is a, kind of a weird tournament because it's definitely not like the other ones. And the few things that you need to know about this tournament is instead of a cut after the second round, after Friday's play, there's a cut after the third round. So every player will get 54 holes in. The tournament's also played at three different courses, and the players will each player will play a round at each. So it's a rotation of, of courses um, out in California at the PGA West. There's a stadium course, a Jack Nicholas tournament course, and then another uh, country club called La Quinta. So you have to know about that. There's also a pro-am element to that. So there's going to be like an amateur playing with the professional players for the first three days, which means the rounds are going to take like five or six hours. So this is really not a fun tournament to watch. And because of that, I think I'm going to have a little bit of a lighter betting exposure, at least before uh, the tournament. One of my strategies is waiting until the players play the stadium course from their, for the first time to bet on, because statistically the stadium course, while it is still a pretty easy course, 
it's not as uh, easy, I guess, or it's a little bit more difficult than the other two courses that I mentioned in the Nicholas and the Nicholas course and the stadium course. So I'm going to wait on a few players. Um, the three players I wrote up in my article that I considered Sun JM, Corey Connors and Abraham answer. They're all priced between 22 to one and 30 to one. Uh, I'm going to wait, I think until after they play the stadium course on Friday to bet those three players. But if you wanted to bet one before the tournament, my lean would be Connors who was very good last week. I bet on him last week. He finished 11th. Really good ball striking, like we all know he's good at. But let's start with that guys I actually have bet on. So Will Zalatoris, 50 to one, I found and I tweeted out these picks. So I like Zalatoris here. Strong iron player. Hasn't played this tournament in his career, but he showed up to a lot of courses last year, including Augusta National and finished tied for second. So this guy has showed up. And without any experience and played very well, had some good finishes last year. I think he should be in kind of in that M Connors answer group. So at 50 to one, he's undervalued. I don't think he should be in this price range. He should be like 33 to one at the worst. So I like Zalatoris and the other player. I actually bet Lucas Glover. Cause I found a 130 to one on him. He led the Sony open and stroke gain approach. He was finished tied for fifth last week. I was a little bit surprised that number at 131 because at a lot of places he's like 80 to 1, 90 to 1. So I just grabbed a kind of a price grab on Lucas Glover. Don't think he's going to win, but just too good of a number to pass up for me. And then some other guys I'm considering who I might bet before the tournament, Luke List, Jonathan Vegas, and Doug Gim. And I kind of wrote up why in my article at wasane.com. So don't want to spend too much time on that. Make sure to read that article. Follow me on Twitter at NateJacobson1 because I'll have my official picks as I play some for golf. And as I mentioned, this week, probably going to be a lighter week, as I said, but I'm going to look to bet some of these top players um, at the top of the board after their round at the stadium course. So I'm looking to have some live bets throughout the week and the weekend, although I'll have most of my focus on football. College basketball. We we have uh, another college basketball pick by yeah. our own Nate taking a ch- uh, That's a Wednesday game. Texas A and M and Kentucky. Who are you picking in that one? Or who you who do you like in that one at the very least? Yeah. So I uh, haven't been so good with that. Last week I think I suggested Florida on Wednesday night and they lost to a LSU. Florida's an underdog. They closed like minus three. Because uh, LSU had some injury issues and they lost anyway, so that was disappointing. And then on Friday's show, I said, uh, "Give me Syracuse at a short number against Florida State." Well, uh, Jim Beheim's men not quite the team this year uh, that they're uh, <laughs> used to having up in uh, Western New York or upstate New York or wherever that is uh, up in the Northeast. So let's go on though to a new team and go to the SEC country or I guess Texas, and we're going to take Kentucky or if we're going to fade Kentucky, we're going to bet. Texas A&M, just trying to pull up the number right now, UK K. So this might change because we're recording this on a Tuesday. By the time you listen to this Wednesday, it might be different. But I like Texas A&M plus seven. Huge sandwich spot for Kentucky. They just beat Tennessee. They scored 107 points in that game. They shot uh, 68% from the field, 11 from 18 of deep against Tennessee. That was a big home win the other night or other day on Saturday. And then coming up, Kentucky has a big game at Auburn, who is one of the top teams in the SEC this season. So sandwiched a road trip to AM. The Aggies, Buzz Williams, are 15-2 and this season. 
They're coming off a scare against Missouri where they were down most of the game. They ended up pulling out the win. So I think we got a really focused A&M team here who may have been looking ahead to that Kentucky game. So I like A&M plus seven. Uh, I know plus seven is kind of important in college basketball because that's usually when teams stop following if they are losing in the game. Uh, so hopefully that plus seven stays by the time you wake up on a, on Wednesday morning and listen to this. But I like Texas A&M quite a bit. I like this a little bit more than I do those Florida and Syracuse picks that were losers. So I like A&M on Wednesday. This was a spot when I was kind of doing some research. I think I'm over the weekend or on Monday just kind of getting in the college basketball mode. I kind of identify this as a real good situational spot for A&M and a real bad one for Kentucky coming off a really impressive win on Saturday with a huge game against Auburn on deck. I got one NBA play for you for tomorrow, Nate, and it involves the Charlotte Hornets and the Boston Celtics. That line is minus four and a half for the game, but we're not going to do the full game because I don't trust, honestly, either of these teams for the full game, but I'm going to go first half and get a little degenerate on you here. Let's go Charlotte Hornets first half spread um, in this one. They are the underdogs, so their first half is going to be around plus two, plus two and a half um, most places. The, the Hornets have been spectacular in the first half in the last 10 games. Eight and two first half against the spread in its last 10. Celtics have been not great over that last 10 game span as well. They're four and six, but in general, um, they are an awful, awful first half team this season. They have only hit the first half spread. Uh, they are 20 and 25 in the first half. So that is a pretty bad win percentage in the first half for the Boston Celtics. We're going to go Charlotte Hornets. The Celtics had a tough game. A couple days ago over the weekend, the Hornets usually get out the fast starts. So let's trust LaMelo Ball as long as he plays, that is, do this bet. We'll trust LaMelo Ball and the Hornets, and they go with Charlotte Hornets first half for that game on Wednesday. And I'll have all my picks on WatchStadium.com as well for my uh, article. Um, yeah, I think that's it. No best bets. Yep. We'll have a we'll have a show on Friday with all of our picks for the divisional round. We talked them all out, previewed them, kind of leaned on what side we're going to pick, and we're going to have all our official plays on Friday's show. So until then, good luck, everyone, and we'll talk to you then.